Welcome to Education Today, where we'll explore what is possible in education today by covering everything from cool tech to sound pedagogy infused with teacher stories, sprinkled with a little fun, and filled with inspiration from around the globe. I'm your host, Scott Nunes, and this is Education Today. everyone I'm Scott Nunes and you're tuning in to education today you can follow me on Twitter twitch YouTube and Facebook at mr. Nunes teach I am so pumped for tonight I know I say that all the time but I'm especially <laughs> pumped for tonight because we have Brandon Levine joining us I'm gonna give him the floor in just a moment but we connected through identity automation and my good friend Jamie Donnelly and he has just an amazing story I don't want to give out any spoilers I appreciate everyone tuning in tonight remember if you're on uh, YouTube and Twitter you can comment and I'll do my best to show those comments on the screen. There's our friend Jamie Donnelly. She's saying excited to hear Brandon's passion in education. Uh, me too. We were chatting a bit before the show and I'm even more excited. I'm feeling really humbled, super blessed, and I can't wait to share with y'all. And on Facebook, uh, be sure to give StreamYard permission so that you can post and share it, and then I can share it on the screen as well. And as Brandon and I are talking, if you have any questions during the broadcast, please drop them there and I'll do my best to get those to Brandon. So Brandon, uh, how are you tonight? How's everything going? Going great, Scott. It's truly a pleasure, truly uh, humble to be here. Thank you for taking time out. Very excited about the conversation. Yeah, likewise. And I want to make sure everybody pays attention there on the screen. They're following you on Twitter at Brandon underscore Levine three. Uh, so make sure you're following Brandon. You can also find him on LinkedIn as well. Uh, search him out. And Brandon, I'm just going to kind of let you steal the show here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who, who are you? What do you do? And, um, you know, where do you come from? Absolutely. Brandon Levine, born and raised Dallas, Texas. Um, I live here in Katy, Texas now, uh, west of Houston. Um, let's see. I work for a company called um, Identity Automation. Uh, we are the digital um, identity platform uh, for education. Uh, we're based out of uh, Houston, Texas as well. Um, that's how I was able to connect with Jamie. Um, but yeah, no, uh, very excited. Um, and, and I'm so happy to be here. No, oh, I love it. So what do you do there at Identity Automation? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm the director of sales development. Um, so I basically work closely uh, with school districts as well as higher ed institutions to get a better understanding of what they're looking to do from their identity and access management perspective. Um, offer them um, a different solution as well as a way of thinking how that's changed, um, especially with, you know, remote learning as well as hybrid learning being out there. Um, and just help them uh, understand that, you know, times have changed. Um, as you saw recently, um, malicious actors is, or hackers yeah. as well, or, I mean, man, they're, they're really going after um, um, the K-20 space as well. 
Um, so we just want to let them know that, hey, you know, times have changed, right? Um, security is important. Delivering learning outcomes is even more important as well. And we look to partner with them um, to offer them um, a new way of addressing that. Oh, that's great. You're absolutely right, right? There's, I looked at some map, I forget the name of the site. You think I would know being an ed tech coach. Um, um, there's so much going in and out all the time. It's hard to keep track of everything, but there was a site I looked at and you could see all of the different K-12 cyber attacks uh, in the nation. And I was just blown away and it had ones in my local area and it had all of them. And then there were some I didn't know about. It's like, wow, this is a big deal. It, it, it's mind blowing, right? Because, you know, this is something that I was having a conversation with someone earlier about. Hackers, they're really smart. And what I mean by that is they understand that if you're looking at whether it's a, a, a young person, a young student, or even an educator, right? They're using a lot of applications, right? Oftentimes, they're using the same app, uh, the password for the different applications. Um, sometimes those passwords are used in personal life. So for things like Facebook, you know, they're, they're, they're Walmart account or things like that. And they're applying those same passwords um, to some of their, their learning resources, right? So to them, um, to a hacker, it's like, this is a gold mine. Right. Um, so you're seeing more ransomware attacks. Um, um, you're seeing a lot of these uh, educational entities. Right. Uh, being held hostage. Right. Because, you know, they have their data. Right. And they know that, hey, if we offer uh, this this big ransom. Right. Uh, there's a great chance. We know we're going to get that money. And it's just it's 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 changed so much. And uh, yeah, uh, we have to uh, always be on our P's and Q's for sure. Yeah. Way too see that need and really work full-heartedly to address it. I want to tackle a couple comments that have come in. My bud Glenn Irvin in the house. Oh, what up, Glenn? He, you know, maybe I got to talk to Glenn about getting me like some new theme music or something for the show. So think about that, Glenn. See if we can collab on that. Very talented musician. And then we have Linda Edwards dropping in saying hello. One of our, uh, uh, Identity Automation Pathfinders, super cool. Uh, such a great ambassador program. I really love what Jamie Donnelly's done there. And then uh, Jamie's tuning in and saying she can't believe schools are paying ran ransoms. That's crazy, like with the little pipeline hack, I know they tracked the the cryptocurrency back, but but they paid it, right? That's, it, it just blows my mind. It feels like it really enables um, those individuals to just perpetuate what they're doing. What what can we do to stop that in the field of education? You know, there, there's a lot of things, um, you know, uh, you know, partnering with, you know, different ed tech vendors. But one thing internally, right, social education. Right. Uh, this is something I had a, a full training with my family. I have uh, an aunt as well as an uncle who who's older and I let them know, hey, if you get a text message, Right. For something that looks suspicious mm -hmm. or doesn't look, it looks a little fishy. Right. Don't click those links. Right. Uh, which I know that sounds kind of cliche, but oftentimes right, it really starts with education um, because, uh, you know, these hackers, right, they're, they're very savvy. Right. They know how to make things look uh, legitimate. And um, so. So, yeah. Yeah. I've known some people that have been taken and it wasn't like they weren't 
educated people either like like they knew they they kind of knew about this stuff but they still fell for it so one was uh this is about 10 years ago um an individual uh paid this huge ransom tons and tons of money i think uh tens of thousands of dollars because he got it an email saying his grandson was stuck in South America and needed money and couldn't get back. And he just panicked and paid the money right away. Didn't even call the grandson, just paid it right away. Thankfully, he still had more money, but it was a good chunk of his life savings. He was retired, older, had just lost his daughter, uh, the grandson's mom. It was all around this, uh, you know, just like, tribulation like in their their lives like they were really suffering then to add this and so he had thought the grandson must have been mourning and kind of flipped out and went to <laughs> south america then got stuck because his mom had passed away and they never got that money back there was that and then um there's been plenty where uh people have pretended to be other people like professionals so at my former school we all got a text message saying, hey, you know, this is your principal. Um, I'm in a meeting. I need a, a gift card. I'll pay you back. And that's something we would all do. And most of us responded back, hey, is this really you? This isn't from your number. You know, why, why isn't it from your number? If you need it, I'll, I'll do it. But let me know that it's you. And she was like, no, no, don't do it. But three people did. And so they, they lost out. Thankfully, it was only 25 bucks um there but it happens and now at my church we just got one they somebody was pretending to be the pastor and saying hey you know we need help with this missionary thing you know um if you can help and donate great and i don't know if anybody fell for that one but here are people who genuinely want to give from the goodness of their hearts and um not only are they not being rewarded but they're being greatly penalized i'm concerned it's going to stop people from being people and being engaged in relationships this is tough right um a lot of these you know malicious act uh, actors you know they're heartless right um and then to your example right not too many people are going to say no to the pastor right so they're <laughs> they're, they're really smart right at the, as disguising themselves as coming across as legitimate right but they're very smart on who they're targeting as well yeah. Yeah. Do you have any idea how they like figure out like these, these targets? That was a new one. I hadn't heard about that at all. Like how do they come up with this stuff? Today is so easy um, to get um, first name, last name, email address. There are so many type of sites out there, believe it or not. Um, the dark web is a very dangerous place. Um, there are so many different technologies where it's very easy to get. And then not only that, right, just going and finding a church, seeing their website, all you need to do is see how their naming credentials are for uh, like their email. So if it's like, you know, first initial, last name at, you know, you know the church name.org, right? I just got to find a first and last name and I can easily just trial and error, send emails out, make it look legit. That's a very easy way. Like we can do an example of something like that, like right now. Um, so, uh, you know, they're, they're very smart, and, and you know, it's tough when you hear stories like that. Um, but yeah, it, it's not going to go away. Believe it or not, you know, uh, they're only going to get more sophisticated um, as each day go by. 
I hear you. Um, and as Jamie's commenting, yeah, we post our connections online. One thing I've stopped participating in and been very mindful of, um, I, I tend to do like a question of the day and a lot of people like that. And I really enjoy it. I love when I open up my Twitter, I can respond and get answers to questions that are on my mind or that I've been talking to people about. Like I'm definitely going to be doing a security one now after this. It, <laughs> it totally fits. And I want people to be firmly aware that this is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Uh, and I stopped answering like password type questions like where did you first live? What's your favorite color? You know, the, all those types of things while they're completely innocent and they're super fun to do these bad actors they're just on it and jamie added imagine if those bad actors were using their gifts for good amen to that because uh things would be much better instead of taking and tearing away imagine the good they could do with the smarts with that ingenuity because it, it takes something and the persistence is there. I admire their persistence. That's for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So what can we do in the K-12 space? What, what is identity automation doing to, to help kind of um, protect that space? What are some of the offerings that um, they're, they're sharing. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, not to make this a sales pitch or anything, but something that we're seeing, especially in huge uh, shout out to our CEO, um, um, Jim, Jim Harold. Um, he's been with the organization a little over a year now, and uh, it was perfect timing. Um, because, you know, in the past, right, you know, we were really focused on data and access management for all verticals, right? But when we noticed you know, the shift would happen with the pandemic and really seeing how with remote learning or even hybrid learning, the need for more security, right? By looking at each identity um, as an individual digital identity, right? And protecting that, we made our shift as a company, right? So not only in our technology, but in our full strategy. Um, so some of the things that we're doing, right, is really importing different security measures into our platform. Right. And also seeing that, you know, to deliver these learning outcomes. Right. We really need to personalize, you know, uh, that digital identity and really see that each identity should only have, you know, the access that they need. Right. To do their function. So, for instance, right, you know, different students, they shouldn't have access or the same uh, resources as like a teacher. Right. Because right. going back, going back to our analogy of how, you know, these malicious actors are targeting those different identities. Right. You kind of want to stop the spread as much as you can, as early on as you can. Right. Um, so, yeah. But it really starts with, you know, making sure, you know, that each identity, you know, has access to the resources that they need only to do their job. Right. Right. Then, that that makes so much sense. And having worked in different organizations. You don't want somebody messing with your stuff, like like Google Docs and things like when you're sharing, like, hey, uh, you know, we, we got to be careful or uh, student work in general, you know, what they might put. And I think it's really important. One thing I did when I was in the classroom was I really helped them carve out and create their digital identity and their digital brand, having that digital footprint, because 
it's forever and giving them those basic skills they were shocked and we would i was an ela teacher so we would read a lot of articles associated with that and they were amazed and now with ai and machine learning you can really scrape a lot of that data and so you're not having to do it by hand uh these people, I imagine, are probably uh, at least some of them really good at programming and you can run simple scripts to look out for keywords and scrape some of that data, especially from social media or key documents and really just wreak havoc with that. Or if you're using the same password for everything, uh, you're just opening so many gates, they just have to keep trying different accounts and they'll get lucky. <laughs> Yeah, and then also, you know, like when you look at like you know education as a whole, right? There's a lot um, diverse identities, right? Not only with staff, you know, students, uh, but also like you know contractors, right? So you have all of these different identities, right, uh, within your systems, right? So you kind of have to be really cautious because, you know, like like this was one example that I can think of uh, that I was speaking with a school district about. Um, they gave a great analogy, um, but they was like, hey, Brandon, you know, oftentimes we have different, you know, vendors right on campus or uh, utilizing our systems, right? And oftentimes, um, you know, IT may reach out and say, hey, you know, uh, this vendor is going to be here for the week. They need access. Um, so, yeah, create an account for them. Okay, awesome, right? That happens. But oftentimes, you know, they never let someone know that they're no longer, you know, utilizing their services or that, you know, that they're no longer doing the job that they were needed access to. So now you have a rogue account, someone who has access to all your systems, right? And, you know, if someone gets a hold of that, they can do a lot of damage. Um, so just putting things in place, time to live, right? Deprovisioning those accounts uh, really goes a long way. It, re it really goes a long way. Yeah, I want to get to your story in, in terms of talking about identity i think that's a good shift to kind of go back and talk about your story because you have a profound story and what really struck me when i was looking over the identity automation uh blog that had your story was i saw my students in you and the teacher heart you know, that never really goes away, even though I've been out of the classroom, I still feel for my students. Um, I, I support 30,000 now instead of like the 200 when I was in the classroom. So that heart has kind of grown, just like when you have more and more children as a parent. And uh, I really want everybody to feel like they matter. And I want what's genuinely best for them and you bring up some great points with digital equity within your story. Can you kind of start us at the beginning and let us know where you started and how you got to where you are now? Absolutely, Scott. And, you know, we talk about, you know, security a lot, right? Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we got to talk about what's really important, and right, which is, you know, what these, you know, educators are doing on a daily basis, right? And that is teaching, right? Changing lives. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, we can talk about, you know, security, but we really look at, you know, the life cycle of that student, right? You know, it's, it's tough because oftentimes, you know, going back to when we were talking about how this shift has changed, right? We make a lot of generalizations. What that means is, yes, we can go to remote learning, 
everyone has internet, right? This should be a, a quick, easy shift. When in reality, that's not the case, right? You know, looking back to my journey um, growing up, you know, in, in, in schools, uh, especially in elementary, that was probably restricted. It was tough. Jamie asked me a powerful question. She said, Brandon, she said, you know, think back to when you were in school and the pandemic happened. How would you have fared? And I said, Jay, I'm going to be honest. I don't know. The reason why I don't know is because oftentimes, you know, myself, you know, looking back at other people like myself, they don't go home to a laptop. Sometimes they don't go home to two-parent homes. Oftentimes they're being raised by extended family members. Oftentimes those family members may not have been educated. So if I need help with my homework, who's going to help me? Right. If I'm already struggling in the classroom, What's going to happen when I go home and I can't get a hold of my teacher? Up the time is really generic to where everyone has, you know, um, you know, access to like a tutor, uh, internet, laptop, right? In some cases, even a meal, right? Uh, so going back to my story, you know, I was telling Jamie, um, just thinking back, right, on how different it was from elementary to middle school, right? So in elementary, um, it was your, you know, your typical um, poverty-stricken, you know, uh, elementary school, right? Limited resources, very grateful um, to every single teacher um, who had an impact, right? I turned 32 next week. I still remember my first grade teacher. <laughs> Me I too. Remember Miss, Miss, Miss Taylor, my second grade teacher, Miss Eastham, my third grade teacher, Miss Cummings. And just seeing how, you know, they, they, they motivated, right? You know, they, 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 they inspired, right? And, and believe it or not, um, I did really well academically, but looking back on some of my, my classmates that didn't fare as well, right? For them to still invest into them, to try to give them a chance with the limited resources that they had, I'm very grateful. Oftentimes, um, a lot of these students, they don't have pencils, they don't have papers. So a lot of teachers were having to use their own money to get supplies to just provide for those students. So just think about that for a second, Scott. So if I don't have access or the resources in class to be teed up for success, what happens when I'm going to go home? Right. You're just doubling down on, on that. And it's just further um, accentuating that gap right and i'm so glad you brought that up uh i'm guilty of that too especially when i started out i i had no idea and people had to tell me hey like lighten up i, I had no idea i didn't come from a household that um you know didn't have supports my my mom was very gifted academically and so she was always there and you talk about tutors I mean, even to this day, I'm working on a book and the best proofreader I have to this day is my mom. <laughs> I still go to my mom and I'm an English major. I'm the one with the degree and I'm going to mom still. So I'm truly blessed in that regard. But, you know, a lot of my students don't have that. And like you mentioned, uh, they're having to be the parent and take on these roles and one thing I wanted to also bring up and I'm curious if this was your experience too I I've gotten better at relationships with my students but I know like those first couple of years primarily my first year really had a hard time getting through 
to students and having them kind of open up and share so that I was a little more aware. And I found, especially by the time they got to me in ninth, 10th grade, they were just done telling people their story. It wasn't worth it. They really didn't get the help. They didn't see the point. It, it just exacerbated the situation. And they were more annoyed than anything. Is that something you can relate to? And how, if so, how can teachers kind of do that better? You know, you know, and I'm glad you called that out because it's spot on. Usually early on uh, when they're younger, right, you know, it's very close knit. What I mean by that is no one wants to say, you know, hey, when I go home, my mom's not home because she's working two jobs or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe my mom isn't home or my dad isn't home. Right. It's, it's very or, hey, you know, the what I had for lunch yesterday was the only meal that I had, right? And because sometimes right, it's it's, right. it's 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 really embarrassing. Uh, one thing I gotta really call out, right? Uh, it's tough. Kids are mean, right? So sometimes there are classmates, right, who make fun. I remember, right? Uh, um, but the but the biggest things is I have two young kids, and my daughter Alani, she's the youngest. She's she's a year and a half, and I saw something that when I when I tell her something, sometimes it doesn't resonate. Mm -hmm. When I show her something, she gets it. When I show her that I care, she gets it. She feels that. So applying that back, because you asked me, right, what can a lot of educators do, right? Oftentimes, you know, the students hear, hey, you, you know, you can be whatever you want to be, right? You know, have big dreams, right? Anything's possible. Mm -hmm. But when they see that you care, when they see the efforts that you're doing to go and be of above and beyond to make them feel special. That is what resonates, right? When I, when I think back on my, my, my middle school teacher, Mr. O, uh, uh, my algebra teacher, um, I'll never forget. He gave me a pair of UT Longhorn basketball shorts, right? And uh, I know this is kind of a random story, but I, I share this story because it, 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 it kind of ties it all together, Right. Him doing that showed me that, hey, it is possible to go to college because he went to UT, um, UT Austin, right? But not only that, that was one of the first times a teacher actually gave me something of meaningful value to just say, hey, like, it's possible. Like, this is for you. I care, right? It. I remember like it was yesterday, right? I wish I still had uh, had the pair, right? I've probably outgrown it um, a lot, um, but, <laughs> uh, but but believe it or not, him and I, uh, we still stay, we still stay, uh, awesome. we still stay in contact, right? And uh, you know, one thing that I'm really big on is really uh, being a light to others, right? Because you know, yes. it's tough, right? It's tough. If 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 I'm a young mind, no one in, in my family went to college, right? How do I know that that is possible? Right. So, you know, uh, he was saying, absolutely, Jamie. Yeah, he was saying that. And 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 it, it really helped me pay for it as well, um, because sometimes, you know, these 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 young minds, they just need to see it. They just want to feel yes. that someone care. Someone believes in them because oftentimes they're not getting that at home. It's very easy to, to, to generalize that and to assume that everyone is going home to that and they're not. Right. And I just want to add to that because you that story um, kind of dovetails with one I had where I had this student who was just grumpy all the time, couldn't motivate the student to do 
anything. And I felt for the student and I knew there was more there. I saw the student's artwork, like, hey, the student has some talent. I want to support that talent. Like who cares about the ELA stuff I'm doing? Because if the students don't matter, the standards don't matter. Like the students come first. And so very much like what Mr. O did for you, um, I had a 3D printer in the classroom and the student seemed to be interested and was like, oh, before my dad went away to jail, her, her dad was on trial um, for a crime, a, a pretty serious one. And um, I said, oh, do you want me to print you something? What, what do you want? And she's like, oh, just print me one of those eggs. And after that, the whole landscape changed. The whole relationship with that student changed and it was an instant 180 and that student you know treasured that little 3d printed egg only took me like 45 minutes to print it, it wasn't a huge investment but it was that thought it was because i cared and i think that's the most important thing and especially right now because things are so messy and they're out of our control and teachers are spent, but if you could just show up as an educator, as an admin, as a professional, anybody that volunteers, gives back, works with children, just be present and do all you can when you're there, show up and, and give your, your all. And Jamie's saying, yeah, because you heard her story. And I, I did, and this wasn't at the beginning of the year. This was like at the, towards the end, this is like January. <laughs> that this happened. I've been working for all of these months and it was miserable. <laughs> Not going to sugarcoat it. That was a tough student. And that student was not kind to me whatsoever and had some pretty harsh remarks to say. Um, but they turned that around and that made all the difference. I was like, okay, I'm doubling down. I'm doing this all the time, every year. And it led to more success stories like that. So right now in your story we're we're in junior high what else happened can you share about what what changed from the type of school you went to for elementary and where you went in middle school that great segue so you know we talked about elementary so um i got a chance made really great grades in elementary um had the opportunity um to attend a gifted and talented uh magnet program for middle school um you had to go through like an application process things like that um it was in in um in midtown right so much nicer area um no longer um uh, you know uh out uh you know in the urban communities and things like that and scott I, I mean, it's from the bottom of my heart. It was totally different. I was I was blown away. Uh, when I mean by blown away, right? Just looking at some of my classmates, right? Just seeing that, you know, hey, I got to take a, a school bus uh, um, to school. But also I saw a lot of my classmates, right? Parents driving luxury cars um, and, you know, having different resources like tutors right having their own computers and um i never forget i shared this story with jamie um but one time when it came to lunch i was on i was on free lunch um so there was like a board in the front of the cafeteria and it had you know the very few free lunch cards up there but you had to walk up get your card and then go through the lunch line 
right? And I'm going through getting my free lunch, something that I'm very used to. And then I'm seeing my classmates, like some were looking at me like, because they're bringing their own lunch, right? They have it all packed. And I was I was blown away because that was not often the case, especially when I saw it in elementary. Um, and then not only that, you know, just seeing how the curriculum changed um, as well, um, a lot different. Right. It was more uh, personalized, more tailored, more advanced, which was I get it. Right. It was part. Of, it was it was a gifted and talented. Um, but I had to raise my game. Right. Um, yeah. That was the first that was the first time in my life um, I ever made lower than a B. Right. The curriculum was tougher. which It was really good. Um, it was really good. Uh, I'm connected with a lot of my former classmates on uh, LinkedIn as well as Facebook. And a lot of them turned out to be highly successful. Um, and, and I see why, right? Just because growing up, right, the learning that they were exposed to was a lot different, Scott, um, than right. a lot of the learnings from the inner cities, for sure. Let me interject for a moment. Uh, Brandon, what, I imagine their expectations were higher. What were expectations for you at home? I know um, when we were preparing for the show, your, your grandma had some wisdom and really emphasized education. What, like, what was it like that? Um, what kind of support, I guess, did you get? It was so, so my grandmother, um, um, you know, she, she was born in 1932, right? So she only had a second grade education. Um, but something that she really installed, uh, and instilled into her grandchildren was there's one thing that they can't take from you. There's one thing that no one can take from you, and that is education. Um, so she was, um, she was very tough on us, and I'm so grateful for that. I remember uh, during the summer times, right? You know, you know, before we could go outside and play, she would say, you know, go grab a book. A book. She had a, a bookshelf, and she'll say, you know, read a chapter, read two chapters before you can go and play. Um, she was really, she was really tough on us because she told us she was like, Brandon, I get it, right? You know, uh, sometimes life is going to be hard. Right. But education is important. She was really she was really I, I shared the story with Jamie because I laughed. Um, but I remember she was like, hey, you know, if you bring home A's or B's on your report card. Right. We're going to go to Burger King. And I don't know if you remember, Scott, but remember back then Burger King had the little. Crowns. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'm laughing. But uh, that that was our that was our reward. Right. And it wasn't really about, you know, the value, but it now me being a parent, I really saw, um, you know, I really see now the importance of I'm not going to say incentivizing, but like making it fun, but really pushing the importance um, of a good education and making good grades as well. Yeah, it, it really does matter. And you mentioned having kids, having my own children when when things get tough, when there's a challenge, I'm like, you just got to push past it. I know it's tough, but if you push past it now, you're going to have more opportunity later, less barriers when you get out there in the real world and you'll be able to elevate yourself more seamlessly. And I tried to showcase like, hey, here's what daddy's doing. You know, daddy's taking this call or yeah, daddy's taking this time away, but here's what I'm doing. I didn't do that. I failed a lot because even though my mom was academically gifted, she didn't graduate college until later. And on my dad's side, I'm the first person that I know of uh, to get a four-year degree. Uh, I, there might be one like second cousin, but I, I think that's it. Now other people have kind of done that, but I was the first one to do that. And that was a 
big deal. We're talking a lot of people. My, um, my grandmother on that side came from nine children. So really sizable family. Um, I have to laugh here in the comments, Jamie added the crown. Uh, I'm going to add too. Uh, I went to Burger King not too long ago and I actually asked for the crown. They still got them and I wore it. <laughs> That's a big deal. It never goes away. It, it, it still has the same effect. And uh, Linda says, if someone doesn't show they value learning, kids don't value it. That's absolutely true. How did that kind of shift when you went back to high school so it was different because when i so after uh seventh and eighth grade that was uh only had two years uh, um at the center um i had to go back to my zone high school um uh, which was back in the inner cities mind you right night and day it was a lot different mm -hmm. um and i was uh, i was blown away um uh, very fortunate to graduate top four in my class but it wow. really it really hit me Right. Where would I have been if I didn't have that experience? What happens to the students who don't get that type of opportunity? Right. You know, what what happens Absolutely. when uh, the young minds don't have access to those resources to be successful in the first place? Right. What happens to the people who don't have someone pushing them um, to take homework series, school series? Right. Um, and it's it's tough. Um, um, it, it's, it, it's really tough. It was a lot different. I'll never forget when I graduated, um, the top five people who graduated, um, they got a gift, which was a laptop. It was a laptop, but the laptop was a refurbished, um, Dell laptop, right? I think they were donated to the school and, you know, it made me think, mind you, I was very grateful. Um, I think I still have it today in my, in my garage. <laughs> That's right? cool. Um, but one thing I can tell you for sure, right? Um, when some of the uh, some of the schools in the suburban areas, I can I can assure you that they may not be getting um, the people who graduate top five a refurbished laptop, right? Um, so it, it's a lot different, right? Which is why I'm really passionate about you know closing the educational equity gap that exists um, because it's definitely there. Um, sometimes it's difficult conversations, right? Um, but, but, but all it takes is really raising that awareness. And I'm very grateful, um, for, for the teachers as well as the educators who, uh, played a critical role, um, right. Who, who didn't see me, um, as that young African-American male, but they did saw the potential and they dedicated their time. I'm forever grateful, um, because it plays, um, um, a critical key, uh, um, in our development for sure. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, you, you mentioned those that encouraged. For me, it was the opposite that encouraged me. It was the people telling me no, especially mm. in college. I, I did find in high school, you know, I kind of just cruised by, got got by on my smarts. Um, I have a really good memory. It's kind of since gone, but I used to just kind of remember everything. And so it was fine as long as it was rote memorization. I was good. And then I was decent at essays because I had my mom like, hey, mom, can you proofread this? And she's like marking it up like, oh, man, I got to retype this. OK, but I would I would do well. Um, but I remember one of my professors who was also my um, academic advisor and he said, you know what? You're not cut out for this. You should think of something else. Mm. You know, I, I don't know about college um definitely not english you shouldn't be an english major you're never going to graduate and then 
that made me just double down my efforts. And I had failed two of his classes or actually three. Now that I'm thinking about it, this guy taught like everything I wanted to do. And I, I um, got stuck with him for one of my main classes. Uh, I couldn't like get out of it. Nobody else taught that class. I couldn't take the class anywhere else because it was one of my senior level classes. I'm like, what am I going to do? I got this guy. Oh no. And so I just pulled out all the stops. I started dressing super nice. Right. And just doing what all the other kids did, always raising my hand, going to office hours, uh, <laughs> pulling up commentary. I'm like, okay, let me not just read Shakespeare. Let me pull up all the commentary on Shakespeare. And I'm regurgitating that and weaving it in. And then I had um, either the top or the second highest grade in that class. And I was just amazed. That was like amazing. That was the hardest I ever worked. And it meant so much and um you know his heart softened i don't even know if he you know meant to say what what he said um but you know we we ended on good terms thankfully but that's what motivated me and it was that type of teacher that motivated me to do well and to get into college and to then go into teaching because i never wanted that teacher for students when I realized like, hey, I have an opportunity to be better than those teachers. Maybe I won't be the amazing teacher that everybody talks about, but if I can take up space here and kind of share my wisdom on top of the academic things I'm teaching, that's gonna be it. And that really served me so well, even though I love what I'm doing in the mm -hmm. ed tech space, oh, I miss, having the conversations with, with students and seeing their minds develop and grow and seeing them grow in maturity, see it a lot with uh, freshmen, especially like from the start to the end of the freshman year, they're completely new kids. And then when they come back senior year and they're like way taller than you and they turned <laughs> out and they were at your chin, <laughs> it, it's the best. It's absolutely the best. I'm gonna look at these comments here. Jamie adds, when you have confidence, you'll be challenged by the naysayers. Absolutely. But when you don't have the constant positive reinforcement, those negative words could break you. Amen to that because that's what happened to me in graphic design. So that also happened. Just the naysayers all the time. I used to be a graphic designer. I started um, when I was 12, had my own business when I was 14. And definitely so many naysayers, you're not going to do well, you, you should do something else. And yeah, I failed at it horribly. And in fact, in my book, I'm going to be talking a lot about that. I got a whole chapter dedicated to all my numerous fails, but I feel inspired. I just heard um, his first name's escaping me, but uh, the Dyson guy, the guy who created the vacuum, mm. uh, he had like 5,000 some prototypes before he came up with that kind of final model, it, it just blows my mind. So uh, I'm, I'm doubling down. And Linda adds, unfortunately, teachers don't realize how much power they have for good or bad. You mentioned something that really stuck with me. You said to be a light. When my very first teacher conference, uh, Ernie Hudson was one of the keynotes and he moved me so much. And I always remember that he said, you have such an opportunity to be a light. Mm 
in the lives of these children. He equated education to being in a, uh, a dark room with a chair. And there's nothing bad in the room, but if you can't see, you don't know. And it's very scary. But as teachers, you can be the light. And so he talked about his story. He talked about his son's story, which was very moving. He, his son just had so much abuse in the school mm. system, public, private, everything. And it was just a horrible experience and is still suffering from that today. And I thought, wow, for him to share that, you know, this is like a movie star. He doesn't need to share that. He shared it because he believes and he loves educators and loves people. He wants us to be genuinely good and to make a difference. And so that profoundly stuck with me to where I remember it all these years later. Um, what kind of advice would you have for all the educators out there who are tuning in and maybe still wondering you know, uh, what to do or where to go during these, these tough times. Something that comes to mind is, you know, be the voice for the voiceless. Mind you, I, I know that kind of sounds cliche, right? But oftentimes when we're talking about, you know, being that light, right? Mm-hmm. Uses geared towards our most gifted students, right? Our students yes. who, are, who who's more likely to be successful, Right without realizing the ones that may be falling behind because of circumstance or different things like that, right? You know, they can still be very, um, you know, um, you know, they still deserve that same, you know, like that, that, that same care, right? They, they really deserve, they, they really deserve that. I will never forget my ninth grade English teacher, Miss Pollard. Remember like it was yesterday. She said, Brandon, Flowers can grow out of mud. And I said, I said, Miss Pollard, like, like, what do you mean? She said, Brandon, some of the most beautiful things in life come from some of the worst situations. So with that said, right, when we're looking at um, when you ask me the question, right, just keep in mind, right, that, you know, all students deserve that. They deserve that same care, right? They, des- they deserve that same personalization, that same attention, right? It doesn't matter their their race, their background, their income status, their location. They deserve that same time and attention because they're going to remember, right? They want a chance, right? And they're our future. Right? Um so so yeah, that's that's some of the advice that I would give Scott. Oh, I think that's great advice and uh, backing up to what Linda said, I'll, I'll put it back here on the screen. Uh, you know, teachers don't realize how much power they have for good or bad. We started with those bad characters, right? What if they had used it for good? Same thing for teachers and teachers have big hearts. And now it's more challenging than ever. I hear from tons of teachers every day, whether it be from my district or via social media, they are hurting so much. They're so fatigued. The students are hurting. The admin are hurting. Um, the system is under so much pressure. And I love how identity automation has really thrown down the gauntlet to borrow uh, from Jim Harold, you know, and thrown down and said, hey, we're here to be an ally. 
how can we help? And they're looking to serve. Uh, that has been tremendous. And I absolutely love the Pathfinders. Such a great program. Uh, top level community. I, I learn so much from that community um, that, you know, it's something I don't ever want to let go of. Um, my community matters to me so much and they've gotten me through uh, this very difficult time. Anything I've been able to do in education has really been due to the support of my family, my, my faith in God and my community. Those three pillars are everything. And if you kicked out one of those, toast, toast, I would be miserable. Those are three strong pillars. That is a strong foundation. And I agree 100%, Scott, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Brandon. I want to make sure everybody's following you on Twitter at Brandon underscore Levine three and on LinkedIn as well. And where can they find the stuff that you're doing with identity automation and how can they inquire about fulfilling their security needs? Absolutely. Please check out our website, identityautomation.com. Um, um, check us out on LinkedIn as well. Please give us a follow. We share a lot of great content um, that, that is very meaningful um, to the education um, as a whole. Um, we give great insights, different data sheets, ebooks, different blogs as well. Um, also, I'm going to be out in Philly uh, next week. Um, there's a big higher ed conference called uh, EduCause. Um, so if there's anyone um, that's tuning in today that's out in the area, uh, would love to connect and meet. Um, so yeah. No, that would be awesome. I always love connecting. Uh, next time I'm at some in-person conference, I hope we can connect uh, in real life. I just want to throw this up. Jamie Sharon, Identity Automation is so blessed uh, to have you, Brandon. Uh, and, and definitely, I'm glad that we're connecting too. And uh, Jamie's too kind and she says to have me as part of the Pathfinder community. Uh, I think I get more out of the community than y'all get from <laughs> me, but I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, and I definitely want to add uh, that identity automation is the digital identity platform for education. And I just see it growing. I think there's so much potential out there. And I'm excited to see what happens next in your journey and uh, in their journey as well. Thank you so much, Brandon. Appreciate you. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you for listening to Education Today. It is my pleasure to share with you all. Let's stay connected on Twitter. You can find me at Mr. Noons Teach. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on the player of your choice and give Education Today a positive review on Apple Podcasts. Remember, everyone, out here in this field of education, it's grind time.